So we come this morning to the end of Hebrews 11, which is known as not God's Hall of Fame, but Hall of Faith. You know, there's several kinds of halls of fame um, around our nation. There's actually in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a robot Hall of Fame. Inductees include C-3PO, Gort, Wall-E, and the Roomba, interestingly. <clears throat> There's a National Barber Hall of Fame uh, in Canal Winchester, Ohio. It's for people who have made significant and lasting contributions to the barbering profession. There's also a National Toy Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York. Uh, inductees include the Slinky, the Marbles, and Star Wars action figures. And I'm sure there's millions of other things in there. Uh, what else would you have in Brooklyn, New York, but the Roller Derby Hall of Fame? I can't imagine who belongs in there. I haven't known any Roller Derby stars. Uh, you know, God doesn't have a Hall of Fame because all of the characters of Scripture, as they become more aligned with His will, it's about His fame. He has a Hall of Faith. It's actually filled with all those who walk with him by faith. I w I'd like to think that the, the membership list of God's hall of faith is actually the same as what we know as the Lamb's book of life. In whose name is, ev is written every person who has put their faith in Christ alone. Through faith alone. The greatest achievements of God's people actually aren't achieved by God's people. The greatest achievements, accomplishments, are accomplished by God. And we as His people simply trust and obey Him by faith and get to walk alongside of Him as He pulls off some amazing feats. In our context, just looking back at the first two verses of Hebrews 11... As we entered into it some eons ago. <clears throat> now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. We looked at how this commendation is both a commendation in the sense of look at this person as an a, um, emblem, as an example of faith. But it's also a commendation that those of faith receive in their own hearts. An assurance that we have of what we hope for. And that assurance is the very presence of faith in Christ that goes against our sinful nature. That commendation that we have is a conviction about those things that we can't even see yet. As you have faith in Christ, as you have assurance of what you hope for, of seeing Christ one day, of seeing Him return for His people, as you have a conviction of those things that you have not even seen, feel that as a commendation from the Lord, that you're His child. Because as we know from Romans 8.16, it's God's Spirit that testifies to our spirit that we are children of God, having come to God through faith in Christ. 
know, I was thinking this week about what are some win-wins in relationships. You know, when, when it's a, a win-win is described as when both people, both parties win in the situation. A wife wants her husband out of the kitchen so that she can finish the Thanksgiving meal. And guess what? Football's on. Win-win. Right? The Brussels sprouts are getting passed around the table at that meal. And by the time they come to that child that can't stand them, there's no more left in the bowl. That is a win-win. The girlfriend agrees to go and see the action movie because it's got Matthew McConaughey in it. Right? (laughs) That's a win-win, right? I'd like to talk to you this morning about the win-win of perfection in Christ. The win-win of perfection in Christ. If you know Christ as your Savior, living for Him, despite no matter what that takes us through in this life, it's a win-win. We win. J.W. Vinson was a missionary to China years ago. He was killed by rebel soldiers in northern China. And a Chinese girl who witnessed his martyrdom brought back this story that she heard as the bandits bandits that had kidnapped him asked him, are you afraid? They said as they were waving their gun in front of his face menacingly. He replied, no, because if you shoot me, I just go straight to heaven. If you are following, or if you are following him, if you are following Christ, wherever he takes you, no matter where that is, you win. You win. So we look this morning at verses 32 through 40 in the close of Hebrews 11 of a very mixed experience of God's people of faith. And he continues on, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. So I'm following the writer's lead here, okay? So... In these past weeks when, when he mentioned Abraham and, and, and Moses and uh, uh, Enoch and Joshua and, and the people of Israel and Rahab, we, we kind of dove into those stories. Well, I'm following the writer's lead here and, and agreeing time would fail me to tell of all of these men of faith. He's telling us that there's far too many men and women of faith to go into here. When we continue on in our passage, we're encouraged to see the highs of their faith, but also they come with valleys. Where we read, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The main idea that I want to get across to you here this morning, as it states in the top of your notes there, by faith in Christ, we look ahead to our perfection in Christ while bringing glory to God, whether it be in our earthly success or our earthly demise. By faith in Christ, we look ahead to our perfection in Christ while bringing glory to God, whether it be in our earthly success, meaning by the, earth's, by the world's definition, or our earthly demise. We're going to sit here on verses 39 through 40 for a bit here because I, I, I believe they explain the stark statements that came before them. So we're kind of, as we do sometimes, we're going to focus in on these kind of key verses and use them to understand the others. Despite being heroes of faith and having persevering faith in the greatest challenges, these listed in this whole chapter, these still died waiting for what had been promised to them. At the very core of their faith, was their hope in the coming Messiah. And obviously, being Old Testament saints, they hadn't seen Jesus. But the very core of their faith was waiting for that Messiah. And the verses that we look to here, that that we are kind of uh, sitting on for a while, where it, it states, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They waited for what had been provided for us. The work of Jesus Christ. Their Messiah and our Messiah, our Savior. They waited for what had been promised. Some degree of being God's perfected people. Walking in His perfect peace. Together with the Old Testament saints, we will be able to be be made perfect spiritually, being made in Christ, free of sin, free of temptation. And, and we will be made perfect physically and live in God's presence forever in glorified bodies. Ben, you've experienced the best that medicine can do to fix your back. But one day you'll have a perfect back. You look forward to that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amen. God's people from the Old Testament and New Testament, and even since then, with us, we will be with each other, with Christ. As we've been told in 1 Thessalonians 4, that when Christ returns, the dead in Christ will rise First, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so 
meaning in that way, meaning with the Lord and together with each other, so we will always be with the Lord. As Warren Wearsby says, faith looks to the future, for that is where the greatest rewards are found. Eternal rewards. And as the lens through which we look at the rest of our verses, I want to challenge you. Trust that you'll be made perfect in Christ. This statement about being made perfect is huge. It's a theme throughout Hebrews, specifically the perfection before God that we're able to stand in now in knowing Christ as our Savior because we stand in His righteousness, not our own. It's been established, as we saw in Hebrews 9.9, that the Mosaic law was not good enough to make anyone, in fact, anyone perfect. In fact, all it did was show how imperfect we are. As we read, gifts and sacrifices are offered, cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Or we read in Hebrews 7.19, the law made nothing perfect. And we read in Hebrews 10 verse 1, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of this reality, of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. We've talked before about how the book of Hebrews is actually an excellent study to do with someone who follows the Catholic faith. Because the Catholic faith in many ways took the New, took the New Testament understanding of the sacrifice of Christ and applied to it the Old Testament law in which the, the church is the temple. The person up front is the priest. And it's not a, la- a physical lamb that's being sacrificed. It's Jesus being sacrificed continually. And in the Mass... What is being received is the grace that flows from the continual sacrifice of Christ. That is not New Testament Christianity. Because what we've been told is that Jesus makes us perfect by being our perfect high priest. And also being our perfect sacrifice for sin. And we are told, as you remember from Hebrews 10.14, by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Just as he said on the cross, it is finished. No more sacrifice need to be made. Trust that you'll be made perfect in Christ both spiritually, standing in Christ's righteousness, and physically, living in a glorified body one day. You know, for many of us, we might wake up some days feeling like we could climb Mount Everest, right? Like, I feel great today, but by the time we go up and down the stairs a few times, we're ready for a nap. Our mental state might be great, but our body reminds us that it would take quite a bit of training to climb any mountain. And for some of us, it would take a time machine. Because those days are gone. (laughs) But we can live perfected before God in Christ. 
No matter what our physical shape presently. Again, we're reminded that Christ's righteousness allows us to stand spiritually before God in Christ, perfected in Christ. And we look ahead to to this which those Old Testament saints did not receive yet because they're waiting on us. When Christ returns and they will rise and we who are left will meet them together in the air, and, and as we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, it will happen in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet that we will all be changed. This comes only by us laying our sin at the cross because knowing Christ paid for it there. And there is nothing that we can do for pay for, to pay for it ourselves. But in taking our sin on the cross and being that sacrifice that our sin deserves, Christ made his righteousness available to us. And to receive Christ as our Savior is to receive his righteousness to apply on our part. And that opens up the opportunity to know God as our Father rather than our Judge. And we can look forward to being, having been perfected in Christ's righteousness spiritually, even though, as the passage says, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. We are growing in that relationship with Christ presently. We can look forward to being perfected physically in a glorified body. And compared to these men and women listed off in, in Hebrews 11, we also have the benefit of living on this side of the cross, of, that our Messiah has come and he did the unthinkable and he died so that he could first reign in our hearts and then one day reign physically on this earth. We have much greater confidence than they did. We have the opportunity for much greater confidence in God's faithfulness because of the historic work of Jesus, because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, because of the testimony of God's completed word. Take advantage of it. And this is why next week we'll read about what or who is the key that we should be focusing on from this point forward. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, some of those listed off in Hebrews 11, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's how we move forward. So we understand that these persevered in their faith from this chapter, believing that God would do as he promised, even as all the testimonies of faith that have been listed here to encourage us were told about the wide range of God's people and their experiences. 
So I want you to take from this. Trust that you'll be made perfect in Christ along with the rest of God's motley crew. Lauren, I'm not talking about the band. (laughs) Trust along with this mixed bag of people of the Old Testament. He says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith and this still being God doing the work, they were connected to it simply by faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Like I said, I'm not gonna I'm gonna follow here the, the writer's lead. I'm not gonna go into all of these people here. But not that more examples are needed. The examples are just endless. But like unlike Rahab that is described in the turning point of her life, there are many examples of men in the men of men of faith and women of faith in the Old Testament that are always shown warts and all. And we have listed off here four judges of Israel. And guess where you can read about them? The judges, exactly. The book of Judges. That's what it's about. Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. And when you do read about them, you will find both evidence of their faith and their failures. Huge failures. I appreciate something Brian Chappelle said. The Bible manages to show how sinful every character in it is, except for one, being Jesus. Because he's the only sinless one talked about in the whole of Scripture. David is a man of faith who represents the kings and the poets of Israel, yet had large moral failings. Samuel is a man of faith who represents here the prophets. You know, many of our founding fathers, all of our founding fathers of our nation, had wills of iron and feet of clay. Men of conviction, honor, wisdom, and grit. Men who also partook of some of the sins of their day, like the horrible sin of slavery. And sometimes it's the contrast between our acts of faith and our failures that makes us wonder if our faith in Christ will ever become a reality. But these men are listed as men of faith because of their faith, not because of their actions. Ultimately, our faith in Christ and our growth in Christ isn't about us. It's about Christ in us. We can take comfort in the truth of the song in Christ alone. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power in hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here. In the power of Christ, I'll stand.
Not in our power. Not in our faith. Not in our accomplishments. In Christ. In Christ alone. Or as one writer says, faith can operate in the life of any person who will dare to listen to God's word and surrender to God's will. These men were a part of God doing some amazing things. Conquering kingdoms, enforcing justice, obtaining promises, stopping the mouths of lions. You can see on the back page of your notes there just just things that we we, uh, are pretty certain Events that's being referred to here, if you'd like to do some further study on these men or on some of these events that are listed off here. But many more didn't escape the sword. Didn't see their loved ones rise again from the dead. They weren't vindicated here on this earth. Although they stand in God's presence now. And from the great contrasts that are listed here. Trust that you'll be made perfect in Christ despite the mix of miraculous experiences. I'll explain what I mean by mix of miraculous experiences. That's a lot to say. Experiences in a bit here. But we see that through faith, these conquered kingdoms enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, and so on. But then it goes on to say, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. And so taking that, st- that last statement of verse 35, I believe that applies to the rest of the statements. That there was that, that conviction of whatever happens here, I will rise again to a better life. So, so taking that forward, they suffered mockings and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Why would I describe this as a mix of miraculous experiences? It's easy for us to consider the earthly victories that God brought about as miracles. But understand that all the hardships listed were because of his people staying true to their faith, refusing for it to be lifted because they were looking ahead. To a greater reward. They endured hardships. Refusing to compromise. Knowing that it would soon pass. And they'd rise again to a better life. This in itself. Is a miraculous experience. Of faith. As well. F.F. Bruce says. When the recipients of this letter. Read of some who experienced mocking and scourging, chains and imprisonment. They might well think of members of their own community who had suffered some of these things in earlier days. As the author had already reminded them. But if similar experiences awaited them, it might help them to realize that they were not the first to tread this path. The prophet Jeremiah was beaten and kidnapped and imprisoned 
The prophet Habakkuk, I say it, some people say Habakkuk, but they're weird. But (laughs) the prophet Habakkuk likely was killed by the very Assyrian invasion that his ministry warned Israel of. Isaiah is one that the early church spoke of him being sawn in two at his death. Many were expelled from normal life, needing to live where no one else would want to live. Thinking of the Essenes, the the Qumran communities. If experiences of faith were an a la carte menu, I doubt any of us would choose being killed by the sword than escaping from the sword, right? I mean, can you imagine if, if these experiences of faith were being dished up at a restaurant? And you showed up and they said, ah, sorry, all we have left is being sawn in two. No, we wouldn't choose that. But like I said, it's no less a miracle for God's people to go something like that, through something like that, and to say, whatever you do, I wake up in Jesus' presence one day, whether it be today or after a long imprisonment. And I will not turn away from that. C.T. Studd wrote this. He went to to China with Hudson Taylor. He wasn't preaching and, and seeing amazing conversions as with Charles Spurgeon at that day or, or uh, Robert Mueller. George Mueller, sorry. No, he went to China with, with Hudson Taylor and lost his life. But he wrote this poem, two two little lines I heard one day, traveling long life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon with its fleeting hours be done, then in that day my Lord to meet. And stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one's life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, your word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing you in my daily life. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. One writer says, if God is glorified by delivering his people, he will do it. If he sees fit to be glorified by not delivering his people, then he will do that. But we must never conclude that the absence of deliverance means a lack of faith on the part of God's children. End quote. It's still a miracle to go through persecution and be looking to eternity as our greater hope. I think I might have shared this before, but Kelly and I decided to watch a movie um, 
One time is the movie Valkyrie. It's, it's about um, the assassination attempt on Adolf Hitler. And as we're about halfway through the movie, Kelly does not like movies that don't end well. All right? About halfway through the movie, she's sitting there and she's like, wait a second. Hitler didn't get assassinated. This movie's not going to end well, is it? <laughs> like, no, they kind of get caught. They kind of, you know, face a firing squad, you know, all of that. We don't get to choose our ending, folks. But our final ending in Christ has been given to us. And that is what we put our faith in. That is what these Old Testament saints of old waited for. Because they were waiting for us. And they wait for their glorified bodies because they're waiting for us. How awesome is that? There are those that teach that if you follow Christ well enough, you won't have to live and suffer like Christ did. That's a bunch of bunk. This and our sinful flesh have led us to shy away from any life that doesn't have the good ending by earthly standards. By faith in Christ, we look ahead to our perfection in Christ while bringing glory to God, whether it be in our earthly success or our earthly demise. Even in our earthly demise, we win. As I mentioned before, the missionary to China, J.W. Vinson, he was killed that day. By those bandits waving the gun in his face. And as the story got back to his fellow missionaries, a poem was written entitled Afraid by one of his fellow missionaries. And it says this Afraid of what? To feel the Spirit's glad release? To pass from pain to perfect peace? The strife and strain of life to cease? Afraid? Of that? Afraid of what? Afraid to see the Savior's face, to hear his welcome, and to trace the glory gleam from wounds of grace? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? A flash, a crash, a pierced heart, brief darkness, light, O heaven's art, a wound of his, a counterpart. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To enter into heaven's rest and yet to serve the master blessed from service good to service best. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To do by death what life could not, baptize with blood this stony plot till souls shall blossom from the spot. Afraid of that? May we as harvesters become obsessed with following God's will, knowing that we win in the end. But it will not be without discomfort and sacrifice for God's glory, which means winning now too, glorifying God as holding to faith in Him. It will not be without taking risk 
but risk with the guarantee of eternal reward. Let's bow our heads.